When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Friday, December 1st. I'm calling it audible for our schedule here this weekend. The reason is that I had forgotten our super producer, Daniel Westoff, is taking a well-deserved vacation. His Louisville Cardinals, for the first time in a long time, have a shot at the ACC football crown. They're going to compete in the conference championship game this weekend in Charlotte, North Carolina. Westoff's headed that way as we speak as such he is going to be unable to produce for us this weekend therefore I'm going to change the release date of our ATP award show to Monday now that podcast has already been recorded we are joined once again by David Kane and Gil Gross so rest assured we will still have that episode for all of you listeners eagerly anticipating it in the meantime go check out our 2023 WTA award show both D Kay and Gil join me on that podcast as well. It is, as always, a delight to be joined by them, to have them share their insights with all of us as we reflect on the 2023 season. Again, that WTA award show already released. The ATP award show release date going to be moved to Monday. If you want to hear a more in-depth look at this year's next-gen ATP finals, head on over to our Great Shot podcast feed. I was joined by our dear friend and contributor, Damian Coos, to break down all eight members in the field. It's an in-depth conversation. We talk about the results we saw unfolding group play. We talk about the ceilings for each of these players moving forward as well. Again, if you want to nerd out with us, the Great Shot podcast feed, as always, is the place for you. I would also say be on the lookout for some new Cracked Interviews podcasts. We have two in the queue ready to release next week. Plenty more on the horizon as well. Things are going to get busy as we shift into off-season mode. Again, college tennis preview starting next week on the Great Shot podcast feed. Plenty more off-season conversations on the horizon and here on the Mini Break Podcast feed, a first-time guest that I know you listeners are all going to enjoy joining me next Thursday. So be on the lookout for that podcast. I'm very excited for it. I'm going to have a special topic for that first-time guest as well. So again, plenty of fun content on the horizon. You can follow it all by liking, rating, subscribing, reviewing to all of our shows. Again, this one, The Great Shot Podcast, Cracked Interviews Podcast feed. Make sure you check out our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel as well. And you can follow us on social media for the more immediate updates. It's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, at Cracked Rackets. I'm at Al Gruskin on Twitter. All of that established the context, the topic, excuse me, for today's show. I have a couple of them for you listeners. I want to offer you my thoughts on Friday's next-gen ATP semifinals. It's going to be Arthur Fees versus Hamad Medvedevich competing for the next-gen ATP crown. Again, I've said this on every show we've done this week when we've talked next-gen finals, but... If you are questioning the significance of this title, all you have to do is go back and look in history. The inaugural 2017 champion, Hyun Chung, he made the Australian Open semifinals two months later. The 
2018 champion Stefano Tsitsipas did the exact same thing at the 2019 Australian Open. 2019 champion was Yannick Sinner. How has he fared thus far? Your 2021 champion, Carlos Alcaraz, well, he won a major in the subsequent 2022 season. So yes, Brandon Nakashima struggled this past year, but more often than not, the winner of this event goes on to significant success, even in his immediate future. So Medvedevich, Arthur Fee, they're going to be competing for the crown on today's show. I want to talk about how each of them got to that finals match. I also want to offer you an update on our other tour level action. We have this week two WTA 125Ks heating up. We also have a couple of challengers that feature players, excuse me, on top 100 watch. That matters. Again, you can sneak into the top 100 at the end of the year. You are that much more likely to get into the main draw of the Australian Open and Again, not only does that add certainty to your starting point in the schedule, you are guaranteed that first-round slam money, which just allows you to do so many other different things moving forward as well. So WTA 125K events and the challengers on the calendar this week should not be forgotten. They will not be forgotten, so I'm going to cover them here on today's show. Of course, the reason we can do that day in, day out is because of the support we get from all of you listeners and because of the support we get from our dear friends at Tennis Point. You all know the deal, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15 for all of the latest and greatest products at the best prices in the tennis world. All right, let's talk next-gen semifinals. Unfortunately, one of our matches featured a retirement due to injury. That's where we'll start. Dominic Stryker forced to retire down a set to Hamad Medvedevich. You could tell he just couldn't move, couldn't serve fluidly the way he needed to. Something went wrong at the start of set number two. And look, it's a lot of wear and tear. These guys have been playing for 11 months consecutively, particularly these young players chasing points. They're going to go wherever the schedule allows them to play, whether it's challengers one week, tour level qualifying the next. Streaker's done a little bit of everything this year. Obviously, the big run at the U.S. Open as well, really catapulting what was otherwise not a disappointing, but dare I say a status quo season still. That streaker was able to compete the way he was in set number one, clearly physically hobbled, just wasn't moving the way he needed to. But as always, you got to see the ball striking display. I think few, if any, strike the ball better than Dominic Streaker, who can just guide a ball wherever he wants it to go on a tennis court, who can ramp up the power as well. Yes, he flattens out the backhand, but can do a little bit of every spin on that forehand wing, slices the backhand well, drop shots, volleys, moving forward, boldness. Streaker has a play on his terms mentality, and as I mentioned with Damien in the Great Shot podcast feed, his upside is just determined by how physical he can become throughout the course of his career. But a credit to Hamad Medvedevich has not displayed any sort of weakness throughout the course of the week. None of the guys he's faced have really been able to exploit any part of his game. Mickelson was able to keep pace, certainly, in their five-set battle, but Vanasha, Shelby... Obviously, set number one of Streaker, he was able to keep pace, never exceed Hamad Medvedevich, who can step into a backhand again, who's so fluid in and out of corners for a guy, his size, his weight in particular, and that weight is displayed in the weight of shot, amps up the backhand well. There's more topspin on the forehand than I thought, and when he can go behind you, that ball is just so heavy. Good luck changing direction, even on these slower hard courts. 
He remains undefeated into the final, deservedly so. Again, disappointing ending for Streaker's season, but you look for Dominic Streaker, 94 in the rankings. He's going to get into Australia on his own merit. You look at his record this season, 37-25 and 25 overall on the year. Quarterfinals at five different challengers, plus an ATP tour-level event. And then, of course, obviously the U.S. Open run to round four from qualifying in August. Has a nice cache of points to keep him top 100 as he begins to further test his toes at the tour level, where it's just worth reminding you, Dominic Streaker in his career has already made the quarterfinals of three different tour level events, all on different surfaces, hard courts, clay courts, grass. His aggression translates everywhere. You listeners know by now how high I am on his upside. Still, again, for Medvedevich, he's going to end the year outside the top 110. You don't get points rewarded for this event, but certainly a nice cash of a nice pool of bonus money to get him rocking and rolling. And again, He's had a very good year. Obviously, a challenger title for him end of August, plus the Astana semifinal points in September is a nice cash for him to get his season rolling. He'll be on the cusp of an Australian Open main draw berth. Obviously, going to have to get a little bit lucky with some rankings things, but he's going to compete in the final, and he's going to take on the guy who also remains undefeated in this event in Arthur Fee. Fee able to overcome fellow Frenchman Luca Van Asche, 2-4-4-1-4-3-4-3. A credit to Van Asha. Again, I have been lower on his upside throughout the course of this week. I do want to continue to emphasize he's going to be a top 100 player for a long time. My questions with him come top 20, top 15. Do I think he has a weapon to play enough on his own terms in this era, which you just need to do to compete at that level consistently enough? That question remains unanswered. He absorbs redirects pace so well. Obviously, Arthur Fee, Van Asher, they grew up together, the two most promising French teenage prospects in quite some time. They know the secrets to each other's game. Fee's going to target that Van Asher forehand. Van is going to take that forehand right back down the line and say, Arthur, beat me with that backhand. Hit through the court. Move forward. Be bold. Fee was able to do that. His serve was the more dominant of the two in creating free points for itself. You saw that in display in particular in that third set breaker. As much as, and and by the way, I don't really have any problems with Arthur Fee's game, but, you know, sometimes you can attack his forehand if you have enough pace. Van Asha didn't have enough pace, and if you don't have enough pace and you float something, if Arthur Fee has any time to load up on that forehand, boy, can he generate elite pace, elite action on the ball. Again, Arthur Fee was disciplined, he was patient. He did everything he needed to do to secure another victory at this event. And so Arthur Fee now going to play in his fifth final of the season. He's 2-2 two and two in finals to date. A title for the first time at the tour level. A challenger title as well. Uh, obviously for Hamad Medvedevich, for what it's worth, it is final number four on the year for him. Three challenger finals for him. All titles, by the way. Uh, first final for him, I suppose, at a de facto tour level event. For Luka Van Asche, look... Overall on the season, his physicality is a problem. If you do not have an elite weapon, he's going to beat you. Because if you don't have an elite weapon, he's going to move you to the outer thirds. You think you catch him off balance on a backhand, but then he snaps it by you. He absorbs pace extraordinarily well at that on that wing. Can hit tricky spins off that forehand side. Not uncomfortable playing the slice. Can find the angles. I don't hate the pop on his serve as well. The problem was against tour-level competition and against top 100 opponents. Again, he was 19-6 and six at the challenger level, 12-9 and nine at the tour level, 
eleven and nine, uh, twelve and nineteen. Excuse me, at the tour level, eleven and nineteen against top one hundred opponents. His hold percentage falls from seventy nine point one to seventy three point two against elite competition. The break percentage is more dramatic. He's thirty two point two percent break percentage against challenger level opponents. Again, if you don't have an elite weapon, he will wear you down. Against tour level opponents with those elite weapons, nineteen percent break percentage that's below average amongst top 50 players his physicality gets him in the ball game making life easier for himself that will define his ceiling moving forward and again in the end it's Fiz Medvedevic they've been the two best players they're a combined eight and no Arthur Fee has been the favorite since he walked into this event his accomplishments again are just more significant than when anyone else has done this season the totality of things he can do. I, I think his weapons are bigger than Medvedevich. I think he's more fluid than Medvedevich. I think he can find more counters to Medvedevich. Although Medvedevich's ability to wear Arthur Fee down with that backhand line, that's going to be an important shot for Medvedevich to hit. And he does have the strength to, you know, wear uh, and the wherewithal to to take that opportunity if Arthur Fee is camping over too far on that ad side. I'm going to take Fee in a tight four set. There's going to be at least two tie breaks in this set, but uh, in this match. But this just feels like Arthur Fee crowning moment. And again, I'm very high on his upside, which I will talk plenty about throughout the course of December here on this show. That said, Fee Medvedevich, your final Arthur Fee, the favorite according to odds makers. And if there was a tennis abstract singles forecast, I imagine he would be the favorite as well. That next gen finals is not your only action in the pro tennis world this weekend. And while there are still countless ITF events going on across the globe, I want to focus on the higher level events we have on the calendar. Let's start with our two WTA 125K events. Mira Andreeva gets the headlines because she made, I mean, earned multiple wins at a Grand Slam as a 16-year-old and pushed into the top 50 of the rankings. But her 19-year-old sister, Erica Andreeva, has had a heck of a season as well. Andreeva reached a career high of 114 in April. She's currently sitting at 140, but after reaching the semifinals of Andorra this week, Andreeva finds herself back up to number 131 in the live rankings. Andreeva overall on this season, again, pretty solid year, giving the degree of tour-level play that she experienced 32 and 26 overall on the season 19 and 16 across qualifying and tour level action this season that includes qualifying into the main draw of Roland Garros final round qualifying at the U.S. Open Australian Open as well again 19 years old she's knocking on the door it's a good week for her here late in the season. Drops just one set. A good win over youngster Celine Neff on her way to the semifinals. And Riva now against semifinalist in Andorra. She'll face Heather Watson. Watson advancing via a retirement in the quarterfinals. She's sitting at 147 in the live rankings right now. Again, trying, I suppose, to make a top 100 push or at least position herself to do so at the start of next season. Bottom half of the draw, Alize Cornet today, straight set win over Clara Tawson. Cornet's got to be on top 100. Watch, she's 113 in the world right now. She wins the title this week. She'll be back up to number 103 again, knocking on the door of a berth on her own ranking into the main draw of Australia. She will face the winner of Sevastova and Ribera, who are currently competing as I speak. That's uh, tour uh, WTA, excuse me, 
125K number one happening in Andorra. The favorite right now is Sevastova, 32.3, Cornet, 25.4, Andriva, 25.2. So again, tennis abstract as it has all week, still Team Sevastova thus far. She has proven tennis abstract correct. The other WTA 125K happening in Buenos Aires. I like this set of quarterfinal matches. You have Diane Perry, of course, a former top five junior in the world. She's your top seed this week, has yet to drop a set. She'll take on 23-year-old Maria Carl. Carl reaching her career high of 140 earlier this year. She is currently inside the top 200. She won a 40K in the middle of December playing good tennis. Again, a big opportunity for her to reach a semifinal here of this 125K level. Outside of that, you've got Herzog versus Riera. Riera, another talented young Argentinian. Zara Zua taking on the young American Elizabeth Mandelik. And then Laura Pagosi taking on Solana Sierra. Right now, Diane Perry is your favorite, 28.1%. Herzog, 20.9%. Mandelik, 18%. Zara Zua, 6%. So the winner of that quarterfinal, they think, is strongly likely to advance to the final. Uh, again, that's your update at the matches at the WTA 125K level. At the challenger level, we have three events that, uh, excuse me, four events that will continue to unfold throughout the course of the week. Here are the players that are on top 100 watch. Excuse me. Let's start. I'm going to get through speaking here, but we don't have West off anyway, so I apologize. You're going to have to suffer through it. Michael Moe is where I want to start. Mo right now 110 in the live rankings. If he wins the challenger this week, he will rise all the way up to number 97 in the live rankings. Look, Michael Moe is an American who's been on the Crack Rackets radar since our founding back in 2017. He's a former Kalamazoo champion, former top 10 junior in the world. He's been ranked as high as 81 in the world earlier this year, as recently as September of this season, as a matter of fact. And when the 25-year-old is healthy, physically, especially on hard courts, I'd make him one of the 50 best players in the world, obviously reached a third round at the U.S. Open this year, has reached multiple semifinals at the challenger level of late, even if he's still yet to reach a final at the challenger level this season. Again, if he can reach and win his first title this season, he will re-enter the top 100 to end the year, and we've already seen him have success at one hard court major. Why couldn't he do it again in Australia with six weeks to get healthy fit for that event. You also have Zizo Bergs, who won a challenger recently. He is in another semifinal. He's currently 139 in the live rankings. A win this week would get him back up to 129. Mark Pullmans and Wong, your other semifinalists. Mo, the favorite, 46.1%. Again, that's the Yakaichi challenger event. So if you're up late at night, as I often am, there will be some tennis for you here in North America. Your other three challenger events. How about Tamos Barrios Vera? He's next up on Top 100 Watch. Barrios Vera right now, 103. New career high for the 25-year-old Chilean in the live rankings. One away. One win away. Excuse me. Just needs to reach a final to make a Top 100 debut. He wins the event. He'll jump up to 94 in the live rankings. He knocked out former Florida Tennessee volunteer. I don't want to say former. He still has eligibility. But Blaze Bicknell, uh, four and six in the quarterfinals today to advance to the semifinals. Also still alive at this event, Alexander Kovacevic, the former Illini All-American, cannot make a top 100 debut with a title, but he can get back into the top 110 with one and not put himself knocking on the door. Also, shout out to former Cornell, Kentucky standout, Alafiani. He's taken on former Texas A&M All-American Val Vashero in the quarterfinals. So guaranteeing at least one player 
with college tennis ties will reach the quarterfinals, excuse me, semifinals in Temuco this week. Right now, your favorites, Kovacevic, 47.9%, then Barrios Vera, 32%. So again, that would be fun. And a Kovacevic versus Vashro Orayani semifinal in all college semi. I would put it on my most must-watch things to do on Saturday outside of going to the Big Ten Championship here in Indianapolis. Go blue. Other two challengers, how about Maya? Nuno Borges is going to be top 100 no matter what, but for him to get to play in Portugal in front of a home crowd was able to fight himself out of a match point deficit to advance to the semifinals. He's going to take on Matteo Martino. You also have Benoit Pair knocking on the door of the top 100. Now he cannot enter it with a title this week, but he can jump from 123 to right around 110 in the live rankings with a title. He'll take on Maxime Janvier, who got a straight set upset victory over second-seeded Albert. Ramos, Vinolas, Borges, Benoit Pair, your two favorites according to the Tennis Abstract singles forecast. And then in Mas Palomas, it'll be three, two of the top four seeds, excuse me, Pedro Martinez, Philip Misalich doing battle in the top half, Daniel Rincon, I believe up to a new career high, the 20-year-old Spaniel, yes, indeed, up to number 181 with this semifinal. He'll take on qualifiers, Killian Feldbausch, who I believe is also a former top 10 junior and into the semifinals of a challenger for the first time right now. Your favorite is Misalich, then Martinez, then Rincon, followed deeply by back uh, by Feldbush. So that's where things stand at the Challenger Tour. And again, you've got six pro events plus the next-gen finals, all to monitor throughout the course of the weekend. A lot of good college football as well. A lot of fun sporting events. So we'll keep you updated on all things here on the Mini Break Podcast feed. Again, no West off today, so I'm not going to give you the usual sign-off, but thank you as him to always for all that he does. A thank you as well to our dear friends at tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15 for all of the latest and greatest products in the tennis world. With that said, ATP Award Show coming on Monday for now for the fantastic super producer Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break. And we'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.